0: Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Danny Higginbottom. To my Paul Higginbottom. God, that was hard to say. It's just Peach. Good, good day to you, Ryan. That's a random. Justin, one. how are you? <laughs> yeah, bits of yeah. I don't really know how
1: to react to that
0: one. A lot of bottoms because yeah, they both end in bottom. Both start with the same letter mm. as well. They, I, th- I, th- I always feel like they've got similar second names. Anyway, Justin, you're right.
1: Yeah, I'm very good. Very good. It's a frosty morning. You can tell it's the lead up to Christmas. Happy days. Everyone's happy.
0: Happy think. days. Yeah, I think everyone is happy. Well, if you, as long as you haven't got some sort of variant, which we won't discuss on this particular episode. Well, actually, we <laughs> probably will end up discussing it in the news section. Uh, this is the number one championship-specific podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, we're going to talk about Fulham v Sheffield United for Monday night. React to everything that happened in that game. Look ahead to some of the games coming up on Boxing Day, which are hopefully going to be going ahead. Talk about some of the news from the past year Few days, and then we'll finish off with the Craig Bryson pub quiz right at the end. But before we jump right into the show, may I tell you, listener, about our friends at FansBet, the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans. Do check them out by clicking the link in our bio. They've got an exclusive offer for listeners to the second tier. You can get a welcome offer of bet ten pounds. Get £30 plus 10 free spins. UK mobile registrations only. Terms and restrictions apply. Full details on site. 18 plus. Please do gamble responsibly. Visit BeGamblerAware.org for more info. And do also check out Fans Bet responsible gambling tools. Let's begin with the game from Monday night. Fulham against Sheffield United. Fulham top despite being winless in four. While Sheffield United looking a lot brighter under Paul Heckingbottom. It was always going to be an interesting game, and it turned out to be just that, with Sheffield United running out the 1-0 winners, thanks to a wonder goal by Illeman Ndai. This was a moment of pure brilliance from him, wasn't it? Taking the ball from inside his own half, charging all the way to the other box before a classy finish, past Rodak, Marek Rodak. Justin Peach, goal of the season for you? <laughs> I was hoping this would come up. No, nowhere near it. Um... I got nowhere uh, near it.
1: Nowhere near it. No, it's it's a very good goal, and that's that's as far as it goes for me. It's a brilliant finish, um, but the fact that he's literally ran about 40, 50 yards unchallenged um, was made a lot easier for him. It literally the the Fulham part, like the Red Sea, there was there was no one in front of uh, Ndai. It was very easy for him to to
0: run through. So you're completely discrediting the goal altogether.
1: No, I think it's a good goal. I just don't think it's worthy of even being in contention for a goal of the season.
0: I'm not saying it's goal of the season. I'd say it's in my top five goals of the season. I think really? any goal any goal where you're running from your own half and you've run that distance and then the finish as well. You can't take anything away the finish from finish. finish is brilliant. The finish is brilliant. Doing all that work, admittedly the defending wasn't great, but I think it's definitely top five goals for me I don't think it's better than off the top of my head Alex Maurits screamer against Cardiff earlier in the season and there's another goal that I feel really bad for completely forgetting (laughs) um but yeah definitely top five for me and I think I think if you completely rule this out of being a goal of the season contender you're not giving it the full appreciation that it deserves just out of interest I always bring this up when we talk about goal of the season contenders (laughs) what's better this goal or that Fraser Campbell volley from last season
1: (laughs) The Fraser Campbell volley it's a, the, of the is see-
0: ludicrous.
1: The, te- the technique on that volley is. Uh, there was a lot more to that technique on that volley than there was this goal.
0: I am resisting the urge to face palm myself right now. <laughs> Whether it was goal of the season or not, a special moment for Endai, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Someone we've been hearing a lot about from people at Sheffield United. There's this extremely talented player, but we've barely seen it so far, have we? He's shown the odd glimpse of being a real talent, but. Not nearly enough, but he was the man causing the most problems for Fulham Monday night, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Not just because of the goal either. I'm hoping this performance from him and the goal will give him a real shot of confidence and then he could be a real key player for the Blades for the rest of the season because... If he is as good a player as we're being told by people at Sheffield United, then it could be frightening to see him in the second half of the season. Him and Morgan Gibbs-White in a kind of tandem could be a real, real sight to see and uh, could cause many teams many problems this season as uh, Fulham found out on Monday night. And the game itself, Justin, what did you think of it? I was I
1: was really impressed with Sheffield United. I think you know what you're going to get with Fulham. You're going to get a, a possession-based side who are going to try and open you up. Through patience um, and, and 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 individual brilliance, and they weren't able to do that mainly because of how impressive and effective Sheffield United were in 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 how they defended and how they how organised they were, and how quickly and efficiently they they broke on the counter attack. That I mean, the the entire goal came from absorbing pressure and counter attacking. Um, and, and they and they they proved to be a problem throughout the game. I thought it was a very good a very good um, tactical win for Hacking Bottom, and one that should make you come off the seat a little bit and go, well, this this Sheffield United team does mean business.
0: Absolutely. I think it was a real classic performance by them. They limited Fulham to next to nothing in terms of chances, didn't they? The only lapse in concentration they had was that moment where Mitrovic hit the bar and then Harry Wilson really should have scored after the ball fell to him. But apart from that, the Sheffield United defence had Mitrovic on a leash throughout the game. Harry Wilson was pocketed. Fabio Carvalho, I completely forgot he was on the pitch. I I was... Mm -hmm. Going, I was going through the Fulham team in my head after the game and was trying to figure out who I was missing, completely forgot Carvalho was there <laughs> ultimately Sheffield United just seemed to be in control throughout the whole game and any team who limits Fulham to that number of chances has played very, very well I don't think anyone else has really done it as well as Sheffield United did this season <laughs> um, and that's why I think this side could be the team to beat in the second half of the season, they're going to come up against a lot worse teams than Fulham over the next few months and as long as they continue to play like this, the sky's the limit for me. With the quality they've got in their sides, they're always going to be good eventually. But Heckingbottom's getting the most out of them too. How far do they go? I think the playoffs is a certainty now, Justin. Um, and I'll keep saying this: I think the top two is still a real possibility. What do you think?
1: I think um, I think it is a possibility, but I mean it depends on a lot. They've got a lot of points to to claw back. I think the playoffs. I, I, I would put my money in in, in Sheffield not finishing the playoffs. One thing that really impresses me about this side is is, is how, I guess, um, fluid they are. You look at the Cardiff performance where they go 1-0 down and they attack, 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 attack. It was relentless. And then you come into this game against Fulham um, and they were organised. They were picking their opportunities to attack. They were defensively minded. Um, and a team that can mix it up that well, they, they should be feared. And... Um, and and that, that is the making of a top two side. Unfortunately, this might be a little bit too much work for them to, to do to get into the top two. But I think playoffs
0: is definitely a, a, certain, um, a certain outcome. Yeah, there's no denying that it's obviously going to take a mighty effort for them to catch up with the top two, considering they are a massive amount of points behind. But I've said it before, I'll say it again. We, we were just talking the other day, weren't we? I think uh, the Reading side from... was it? They were Mm -hmm. sat in a similar position to how Sheffield United are now. Mm -hmm. Strung together, I think, 13 wins from 15 games and ended up winning the league by quite a distance in the end. So it's definitely possible. And the way the Sheffield United side are looking now, I'm really feeling quite quite high on them. So, yeah, I, I definitely feel like playoffs, as you say, is a certainty at this point. Top two, as I say, still a possibility. Let's talk about Fulham, Justin. Fulham. Fulham, (laughs) Fulham, Fulham. Fulham. Five games without a win now. How are you feeling about them after this? Are you feeling slightly more negative or still quite hopeful? I feel a little bit negative
1: about them at the moment because... They're the, the dropping points and it's frustrating, especially if you're a Fulham fan and you sat there and you're thinking, what, what what's not happening? What's not going right for us? Um, and it is hard to put your finger on. I think it's just a dip in individual performances that is ultimately affecting how the team plays. Um, I look at, uh, I mean, Monday night is a really good example. Mitrovic was handled aggressively, shall we say? He was roughed up, um, and a lot of the show, uh, a lot of the Fulham players didn't really enjoy it I, I thought Tim Ream was uh suspect at times to the aggressiveness that Chevrolet United brought to, to to the game um and I think they just went into their shell a little bit and I think it's just that dipping, yeah dipping in indiv- individual performances and, and and mentality in certain games that's probably impacting them but for me they've got enough in them and there's enough over the last few games in this poor run of form that has convinced me that it's just, it's just a minor blip. They will get back on it. Um, that's all you can really say because it could have easily been one-one in this game if Mitrovic's shot went in under, uh, went in under the bar, uh, or if Harry Wilson put in the follow-up.
0: Yeah, you're pretty much spot on. It we're really being tested with our resolve on how we think <laughs> Fulham are still going to be. Um, in the top two come the end of the season. For me, I I still think they'll be the team that wins the league because even though they haven't been winning games, they've still been showing that they still create plenty of chances in games. They've just not been going their way. And considering you've got someone like Alexander Mitrovic who's on a ridiculous amount of goals this season, it seems like it's only going to be a matter of time. We'll stick by that. (laughs) <laughs> they were definitely tested uh, that resolve, as I say, over the past five games now, uh, but I still think it is only a matter of time before it is turned around and they get back to the Fulham of old who just keep on winning games. I still think, as I say, they are um, a pretty much certainty for the top two because yeah. um, I think, wow other teams have clearly been off it in recent weeks and their performances have also been off it fulham are still showing signs that they are still the fulham of old so yeah Mm -hmm. only a matter of time i think and uh, i'm going to stick by that for the foreseeable (laughs) future at the very least Uh, just let's look ahead to some of the boxing day games shall we the ones that as far as i'm aware right now are still going ahead at the time of recording Mm -hmm. we'll start off with middlesbrough forest which is a real thigh rubber isn't it two hmm. teams who are quite hot on right now both look to be going in the right direction certainly how do you see this one going
1: it's yeah it's going to be um a clash of managerial likeness titans you know two managers that i think most in the division will say that they that they like or, or most people who, who follow the championship will say that they like um chris wilder very likable steve cooper tactically brilliant very likeable um, so it's going to be a difficult game to separate in terms of where these teams are at because you look at Forrest and Steve Cooper Steve Cooper's been there a bit longer um, he's had a lot more time to get his ideas across he's probably got um, a more rounded squad but probably lacking in the depth that Borough have um, but as I say he's had, he's had more time than Wilder and Wilder at the moment has so far been getting really good results could be better but getting good results and good performances out of the players so really this game's going to be a really good test to to see where each team are at. Um to be honest with you, I can't see it ending um in any way other than a draw. Um but it's yeah, it's, it's just because it's how hard it is to separate both the sides, um and how well uh um both have been performing of late. They've been really good defensively as well. So that's sort of what's swaying me towards that uh, that stalemate.
0: Yeah, I, I'm the same as you. I, I kind of put both these teams in the kind, same kind of level in terms of how good managers are, how good the squads are, the form that they're both in at the moment, but both need to strengthen in January. But at the same time, I think are both good bets for the playoffs right now. So <laughs> there, there's a lot of similarities between yeah. these two teams. So it's really, really hard to separate them both. If I'm going to edge towards one team in particular, I'd probably say Forest, just because I think they have probably just slightly got the better squad because I think Forrest just need to strengthen in uh, the striker area in mm-hmm. uh, January whereas I think Middlesbrough could do with a goalkeeper a striker and a midfielder so I think Forrest just slightly edge it in that department but if I was going to hedge my bets on some sort of resort I probably would say a draw as well. See I, I if I was going to edge towards a team I'd edge towards Borough. Um Really? Yeah,
1: I think um, the way Chris Wilder's got them playing with the press, I think it's going to suit them in this game more than it would Forrest. Because Forrest, under Steve Cooper, um, this is a sort of game where they probably find themselves in between how they're going to set up. Because you look at the West Brom game, for example, they were quite defensive. They played three at the back. And then you go to um, to Peterborough or Preston, it was a 4-2-3-1. How do they line up against one of the form teams in a division that are in a similar state to them? it's going to be interesting. So I think the upper hand is with Chris Wilder because he's got one style of play or at least one system of play that's that's going to work for him. But it is very hard to separate them. Um, and as you say, the squads
0: are similar. Starting elevens are, are fairly similar. It's difficult. Really difficult. Can I get a score prediction from you, Justin? I think I know where this is going.
1: I'd say a nil-nil.
0: I'd also say a yeah. nil-nil. I, I think a draw <laughs> is a... A draw that seems to be the safest results. I think... If any team does get the win, it'll be a massive, massive statement win. But at the same time, I don't think a point would necessarily be a bad result for either side, considering they're both in good form at the moment. Let's talk about QPR v Bournemouth, Justin, which is a really interesting game, simply for the fact that it's been so long since we've seen QPR actually play. It'll be more than three weeks since they actually played by the time this game actually comes around because of COVID cases in the Rangers squad. I'm not really sure if the break is a positive or not at this stage, Justin, because it has been so long since we've seen Rangers out there on the pitch.
1: Yeah, the the less sort of um, intelligent person in me says they've had plenty of rest; it's good. But in football, you don't really want that much rest, do you? You want at least week between games. But sometimes, even if it's a Saturday, Tuesday, having that momentum um, and that lack of time to, I guess, prepare, you know, you get into a good. A good role of things, so I think it, it's yeah, it's very hard to pinpoint exactly what QPR side are going to are going to not turn up, but how they're going to be, how ready they're going to be. Um, so for me, I think the game's going to be won in the first thirty minutes, depending on how quickly QPR start and how quickly Bournemouth start. Because for me, it's a very good game for Bournemouth to capitalise on this lack of game time that QPR have had, and, and and potentially even lack of time to prepare for the game because if they've had positive COVID cases, they're not going to be training a full uh, as a full group, are they?
0: Well, that's it. You don't know in this QPR side how long players have actually been back on the training pitch because so many of mm. them have had COVID. Um, you don't know which players are fresh, which players are still going to be missing. It's really, really difficult to say <laughs> what what QPR team are we going to see here? And you're quite right in saying Three weeks. I'm not a sports scientist, so I don't know by exactly. any means but <laughs> is three weeks plenty of rest? Or is that the kind of stage where you're starting to lack match sharpness? Yeah, from exactly. Yeah. being not playing a game for so long. So this QPR team, who knows what's gonna turn up on it's it's not Boxing Day, is it the day after Boxing Day? Who knows what side is actually going to turn up here? I mean, from a Bournemouth perspective, it's I suppose it's quite difficult for them because they don't know what's gonna turn up on the, either. So what can you say from a Bournemouth perspective? What we can say is they're looking really out of form, aren't they? Not just mm. with the lack of wins that they've had recently, but the performances that they've been putting out as well. They've been really, really poor, haven't they?
1: Well, exactly. You, in this game, you, you mentioned sort of from a Bournemouth perspective, what team are they expecting? Or how, how are they going to prepare against a QPR team who haven't played um, too many games recently? Well, you want them to go and play their own game. But Bournemouth's own game recently has been... Quite poor. Um, you look at the the Borough game at the weekend, for example. They were sort of um,
0: out tacticked Is that a word? They were. It's definitely a word that we've used on the second tier before, but I'm still not sure it is a word. <laughs> yeah, the
1: second second tier d- uh, dictionary is, is growing in words that we make up and even metaphors that we, we that we mix together. But nonetheless, they were they were out out-tacticked by by Wilder and Borough because they couldn't get they couldn't play their own game. And if you come up against a team who get one over you that way then a lot of teams are going to try and copy that and i think qpr for example um especially with this lack of game time to prepare they're going to be in that same mold where they're not gonna be able to play their own game so they might take it down and take it down a notch and be a little bit more defensive so i think bournemouth might struggle in that sense so it's very hard to it's again it's another hard game to predict because of the variables that
0: are uh, impacting it well that brings me very nicely on just into your score prediction what can i get from you I think it'll be a loose game. I think it'll be like a 3-2 to Bournemouth. I'm edging more towards QPR. I'm going to, with no real confidence, say that the three weeks will have done them good. Um, <laughs> but, as I say, not much real confidence in that. So I'll edge towards uh, QPR on that one. Preston v Sheffield United, Ryan Lowe's second game in charge. Feels like he's been in charge for quite a while now, but because <laughs> yeah. of uh, his game called off last week, He's only it's only his second game in charge. But Sheffield United that's one hell of a test, isn't it? It's
1: <laughs> just a bit. I'd be, yeah, I mean, that felt like a nervous laugh there for Ryan Lowe. Um, it, it'll be a good marker to see um, how good this pressing side is under Ryan Lowe because the Barnsley game, Ryan Lowe's first game in charge, very hard to predict because of, of Barnsley being in a, in such a poor run of form, they've forgotten how to win. So they're coming up against the Sheffield United side who are in a much better position than Barnsley, shall we say? They, they They've, reestablish themselves uh, performance wise form wise um and they've they've got that winning bug that that is needed for um for teams who are chasing top 6 but for Ryan Lowe and, and and his pressing team i think in this game especially he's going to be looking for a performance um he's not going to i mean he will want the result but he will want to get his ideas across he'll want to see his ideas implemented by his team and that is as far as it goes for pressing for me
0: yeah i, I think the The win against Barnsley in Ryan Lowe's first game was a sign that he's already managed to get across somewhat the style of play that he wants to play. Um, The performance itself was all right. Nothing spectacular. It was Mm -hmm. good. Um, But I think the expectation here, Ryan Lowe will know fully well how much of a test this is for his side. And it's going to be a real, real big task for him and the players to get anything from this game. And hopefully the fans expect that as well. Hopefully, they're not (laughs) going to be complaining after a a loss here, if it is indeed a loss. But uh, can I get a score prediction from you, Justin? I want to say 2-0 to Sheffield United. Yeah, I'm going to go for a Sheffield United win. I think Ryan Lowe is still in the early stages of his reign in set, and I think Sheffield United just look a completely different beast right now. The final game we'll preview, Justin, is Derby v West Brom. It's been a while since we spoke about the -the on-the-pitch side of things with Derby, Justin. It's probably something we don't say enough, actually, because despite everything that's going on, they've actually been quite good, haven't they?
1: They have. Um, when did they last play? Blackpool, wasn't it? Uh, they had a game called off last weekend. It's just postponements. They are hard to track, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you go to the. I mean, the Bristol City defeat was, was a poor one, um, and the QPR defeat was, was poor, but with the three games prior, um, Millwall, Bournemouth, and, and Fulham was really, really good. And then going into the Blackpool game, um, I thought Derby were very good had a threadbare squad because of positive COVID cases, but the players, they had it on the pitch, Luke Plange, the youngster making his full debut. He was, he was brilliant. And then you've got Dylan Williams was brilliant as well. at like left wing back, another youngster. Um, there is a lot of quality in this Derby side and, and we do see it um, on occasion, not consistently enough, which is why they're, I would say that's why they're bottom, but that's why they would be, they'd be in the bottom six if they had no points deducted, uh, essentially. Um, but yeah, we, we see it in flashes and, um, And they've got a a good old test here against West Brom who forget how to score uh, is the most sort of simplest way of saying uh, or summing up West Brom at the moment.
0: Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see if the young lad, Plunge starts again. He definitely impressed in the Blackpool game mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago now. They've got a great record against the three teams who have been the top three for the majority of the season so far, Derby. They drew in the reverse leg against West Brom, also against Fulham. And then they beat Bournemouth, didn't they? So it seems like these are the kind of games that Wayne Rooney's boys love to play in. And it is hard to avoid the narrative that West Brom needs to be better in front of goal. Derby are good defensively, aren't they? So. Mm-hmm. They've definitely got to take their chances when they actually come. Can I get a score prediction from you here, Justin? I, just, uh,
1: I tell you what, the games we've picked out this, this this week in the preview are very hard to predict. Um, mm. And it's the same with this one. Um, West Brom, I, I'm going to say nil-nil again. But I don't know if it, I, I think it'll be a carbon copy of the game at the Hawthorns. But I think that's, I don't know if that's silly. I don't know, nil-nil.
0: I, I think I'll go for a draw as well, just because Derby's record against the uh, the top three for the majority of the season has been so good and they're more than happy to sit back and defend in these games and just soak up everything that teams throw at them at yeah. the same time I think West Brom some of the chances that they miss yeah they can't, fall their way at some point they can't keep <laughs> missing can they it's it's impossible If you made a compilation of some of the misses West Brom have had this season, (laughs) it would be quite remarkable. Uh, But yeah, I'll I'll go for a draw on this one, maybe edging slightly towards a West Brom win. Uh, Right, Justin, let's have a quick break after that. We'll talk about some of the news from the past few days and then finish off with the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Welcome back to the second tier podcast and now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. So, at the time of recording, three games for the Boxing Day round of fixtures have been postponed so far. Barnsley v Stoke, Pidgeborough v Reading and Cardiff v Coventry. Obviously, I hope not, but I'll be surprised if there aren't more games cancelled before Boxing Day. And when you look at the... Christmas fixture schedule anyway and you see how many games are close together. I imagine there'll be quite a few more postponements over the coming week or so. Uh, so just keep an eye out on that. It's as the EFL has decided to carry on with the festive schedule instead of taking a break. Justin, were you surprised or not by that?
1: Not surprised really. I think you want to get as many games played as possible. I think putting a break um, into football at this point in the season, it doesn't really make much sense. And I think the games that can be played should be played um and the teams that uh and the games that are postponed you know there's there's no FA cup replays so there's a bit of um a bit of leeway there in terms of schedules so yeah not surprised really i think it's the right thing to do but also mindful that if teams do start having several games postponed at a time then there should be some leeway somewhere
0: mm. Yeah, I wasn't surprised at all either, especially because the EFL just seemed to follow what the Premier League are yeah, doing true. with the uh, <laughs> actual break or whatever. And as soon as the Premier League said they're going to carry on anyway, seemed like the EFL was always going to do that. Plus, Rick Parry said last week that he didn't really see much point in it and there didn't seem to be any evidence pointing towards the break actually doing any good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't a surprise really. Um, we'll move on to sports events in Wales are back to being played behind closed doors. It's in a bid to combat the spread of the Omicron variant. Now, when I was originally writing down my notes here, Justin, my question was going to be, will Cardiff and Swansea be at a significant disadvantage because of this? But I think a better question is, how long will it be before England follows suit? Because it almost seems quite certain, doesn't it, that that is going to happen in the near future.
1: I mean... Yeah, not to get overly political you, you're guessing what this government are going to do next is very hard to do um but i think if you're looking at a uh, sort of a sequence of events um you probably it's more, quite likely that's going to happen soon i hope that isn't the case i hope that um i think uh, yeah, i hope that the booster campaign starts to starts to help matters um in terms of um spreading very uh, reducing the spread of the variant um, but it, it's very hard to say uh, but what what I will say is this you know if it does happen you know at least I'm trying to try to spin it in a positive way but it's very difficult to do um, there is still football uh, so don't you know worry too much in that sense it will be back sooner rather than later I don't think we'll see a, a harsher as harsher lockdown as we did last year
0: yeah I, I'm, I'm the same I'm hoping that if we do go behind closed doors again, then it won't be until the end of the season hmm. where fans aren't allowed backing grounds. I'm hoping it will just be a matter of a month or so and we'll just let the booster programme do its work. Um, I think one thing I will say is that um, if we are going to have restrictions in you know, pubs, nightclubs, restaurants, whatever, then it seems like it would only make sense for stadiums yeah. to be closed because <laughs> it wouldn't make much sense would it, for people to still be allowed to go to football mm-hmm. stadiums and what have you and have thousand people, thousands of people cramped into a stadium when you're not allowed into a pub. So I think that's going to be a good indicator of when this actually does come in. But hopefully, as you say, once um, everything starts to ease again and everything is hopefully going to calm down at some point, then uh, we will be able to see fans back in grounds and it won't be too long before that happens again um depressing news now justin i suppose the last bit was quite depressing as well but this is even more depressing fulham say one of their players received racist abuse on social media following their loss to sheffield united on monday meanwhile a man in his 60s is to be questioned by police about allegedly racially abusing a huddersfield player during their game at bristol city on saturday moving on from that the latest news on derby's takeover There is no news, but the administrators say they remain hopeful of being able to announce a preferred bidder this week. They met fans groups last week to outline the position and said they now expect to complete a sale in or around February 2022. Which is interesting, because I thought they said the sale was going to be completed before the end of January. But I don't want to let Justin loose on another tirade about Derby's administrators. And finally, Barnsley have mutually terminated the contract of Dominic Frieser. The Austrian forward has had a couple of bright moments, but he's been there for a year and a half now and not really done much else than that, has he? Right, now it's time for this. All right, all right. Settle down, you lot. It's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Thank you, Mr. Bartender. This is the game where Justin and I try to guess a mystery championship legend. This week, I'm giving Justin six clues on a player who's made at least 200 championship players. All he's got to do is guess who it is. The score for the season is 7-5 to myself. I seem to say this every week now, but I can't remember the last time one of us got one wrong. I'm starting to wonder whether we should lower the number of appearances to 100 or something like that.
1: That would be interesting, actually. That will spice things up nicely. Would it make
0: much of a difference, though?
1: I think it would, because you get someone like, I don't know, I'm trying to think someone really
0: Yeah, you, you dug yourself niche. into a hole now, not you? Yeah, yeah, trying to think of <laughs> one off the spot. <laughs> not ideal. Yeah, I, I, I suppose, in a way, we still don't want to give ourselves like a ridiculous player who no one knows anything about, but we still want to give each other a chance. So it's a hard balancing act, isn't it? And I suppose, mm. in a way, that's why the score is so high. Uh, the thing is, we never used to be this good either. Maybe we're just picking more obvious players. I don't know. Either way. Uh, We'll crack on, Justin. Can I give you the first clue, if you're ready? I would would absolutely love that. Thank you. Wonderful. I've made 213 appearances in the second tier, scoring 45 goals. Yeah.
1: I I think one of the... We've picked a lot of goal scorers last few weeks. We need They're a. They're
0: easier to do clues on, that.
1: They are. They are. They have more interesting careers. They're very eccentric. Um, 213 appearances, 43 goals. I ideally added about 45. Oh, God. Oh, blimey. <laughs> Dean Windass.
0: <laughs> it's not Dean Windass. <laughs> Surely he's made more than that. Um, <sighs> I made my debut in 2005 for MK Dons.
1: Ooh. Um. Two thousand and five think they they weren't in the um in a championship at that
0: point too. Nicky Maynard. It's not Nicky Maynard. Oh. Yeah, Nicky Maynard mentioned last week. Yeah. Two you episodes didn't... in a row where Maynard's got mentioned. Um at championship level I've played for five clubs, including Derby, Bristol City, and West Ham. Derby, Bristol City, West Sam Baldock. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes, <laughs> that was correct. quite easy. That was.
0: I'm very disappointed yeah. in you for that. <laughs> I went for the clubs, and I, I thought Derby might throw you off, and then I thought is Bristol City and West Ham too obvious? But the West Ham. I thought West Ham Brighton.
1: Yeah, yeah, but the West Ham move was synonymous because they bought every form striker in the division that season: Maynard, Ricardo Vazte, Baldock.
0: Vastay was good. I would not say anything said about Ricardo Vastay. He was quality for half a season, or <laughs> just the one season. He yeah. had that one season where he turned into flipping Ronaldo, and then the rest of his career, he was Ricardo Vastay again. And <laughs> the rest of the clues, I've been promoted from the Championship to the Premier League twice in my career, but despite that, I only have two Premier League appearances to my name. I've cost a total of £10 million in transfer fees across my career, Yeah, I raised my eyebrows at that as well. And I won the League One Golden Boot for Bristol City in 2014. Sam Bulldock, ladies and gentlemen, the score is now 7-6 to myself. Justin continues to claw on back, but then I go ahead again. It just seems to happen, the same pattern uh, across the season. And we don't seem to show any signs of actually losing, do we, at any point? Yeah, it's going to be a
1: next goal wins at the end of the season, isn't it?
0: Or, or I'll just keep on winning for the rest of it. And we'll none see. of us loses. We'll I, I think we need to change something, Justin. The, uh, the fans are getting restless. At, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there'll be claims of match fixing at some point if it carries on uh, the way it has done. But uh, this is it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the second tier done and dusted. Uh, I will say before we go, our episode schedule is a bit all over the place over the festive period. Obviously we usually do Sunday, Thursday, but however, having had a look at the fixtures, um, I've decided our next, fi- our next episode will be on Monday, the day after Boxing Day. Then after that, it'll be New Year's Eve. Then after that, it'll be on Tuesday, the 4th of January. So just keep that in mind. Write it down in your diary for the next episode from us. Or you could just keep an eye on your podcast feeds, whatever you listen to your podcasts on. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to supply you with plenty of championship chat over the festive period but otherwise ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening to this week's episode of the second tier should say before we go this is the last episode before Christmas have a Merry Christmas from us at the second tier Justin wish everyone a Merry Christmas
1: Merry Christmas
0: there we go <laughs> <laughs> as I say we'll be back on the day after Boxing Day uh, so we look forward to seeing you then this has been the second tier I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach thank you for listening